Well, good morning, friends. Great to see you and trust you had a good week. And good morning to those of you watching online. Great to see our online family. We love you. Um, we had uh, Gayla, my wife's sister, and her parents down from Ottawa this week. Was, we, had, we had company. That was a strange thing. Uh, people from away, which was different. And I haven't done that for a couple of years. And then Autumn, our youngest, uh, is going back into her fourth year of nursing school in Indiana. And her boyfriend from Ohio got across the border, uh, jumped through all the hoops, and he's here visiting with us as well. And then we had a baby shower for our oldest daughter, Hope, this week. And now it's Baptism Sunday at Crosspoint. So it's been, it's a week, and we have a baby dedication. It's just so much cool stuff going on. It's awesome. And I don't have to tell you this, but the summer is flying by. This, uh, we're already in our fifth Sunday of uh, this series, Identity Theft. And as we've mentioned this summer, uh, life happens. Life happens, and you can lose your identity either by your own bad decisions, and, and you know it. You're like, yeah, that was me. That was all on me. I did it. Uh, you can lose your identity by the decisions of others, sometimes even the people closest around you who, who uh, rob you of your identity, uh, or just the pressures of life. Life just happens to us all. And uh, I believe, we mentioned this last Sunday, I believe that Crosspoint as a church is refinding her identity as a church. And I also believe that, that there are many here um, that you think you're refinding your identity and who you are in Christ and who God um, has made you and called you to be. So that's exciting as well. Time to come out of that pit or that prison or that season or that situation, whatever has robbed you of your identity, it's time to, to come out of that. It's exciting. Last Sunday, we shared together in the sacrament of communion and today we're going to celebrate uh, baptisms publicly in the river, just as people have done since these words were written. We're going to walk down to the river, and we're going to cause a ruckus for Jesus, and we're going to stir the waters, and uh, we're going to celebrate, and it's going to be exciting. <laughs> Communion is remembering what God did for me, Baptism is celebrating what God is doing in me. Communion is remembering what God did for me. That was last week. And baptism is celebrating what God is doing in me. Last week, it was Peter uh, before the resurrection of Jesus. And this week, it's Peter 2.0. It's a, it's a new Peter. He has changed. He has met the resurrected Jesus. And uh, he's a brand new person. Because everything changes when you meet Jesus. Everything changes when you realize, when you recognize that Jesus is alive. He's the son of God. So there's you before Jesus, and then there's you 2.0 after the resurrection of Jesus. The Acts chapter 2, where we're going to be today, is my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, certainly the one that I've preached the most from uh, the last 30 years or so. I just love 
the change in Peter's life. I just, I just love uh, the difference that the resurrection has made in Peter's life. I love his boldness that we see in Acts chapter 2 that uh, he, he just won't be restrained or constrained. He, he's just bold, but he's also humble. It's a, it's a humble boldness, right? And he's got this, this passion for people and a passion for the church and the gospel of, of Jesus. And when we see Peter in Acts chapter 2, it's a reminder to me of the unfathomable grace of God. The unfathomable grace of God. God... God didn't write Peter off as a schmuck. You know, and when Peter betrayed Jesus, when Peter denied ever knowing Jesus, and then, and then he, you know, meets the resurrected Jesus, Jesus didn't say, ah, oh, Peter, Peter, you blew it. Ah, oh, Peter, you, you had a chance. Like, buddy, you, you had a great chance, and I gave you an opportunity, and I, and I told you, Peter, that I would build the church on you, but, but then you blew it. You know, that's, that's not the response that, that Peter gets from Jesus. Jesus lifts Peter back up. Jesus reaffirms him. And uh, I just love the, the grace of God. He restored him and forgave him, gave him another chance to live in his God-given identity. And maybe that's what you need this morning, another chance. Maybe you just need to be reminded of, of the unfathomable grace of God. His grace is like water. It flows to the lowest point. You'll never outsin the grace of God. You'll never uh, run so far away that you cannot be reached by the grace of God. And there's always another chance, and maybe this morning you just needed to be reminded of that, to uh, come back to your God-given identity. I'm thankful this morning for the grace of God that doesn't walk away from me when I walk away from him. God wasn't done with Peter. He wasn't done, not done with Tim Guptill, and he's not done with you. God is not done with you. Welcome to Crosspoint. We're glad you're here. There are four main uh, acts or events that happen in Acts chapter 2. Here they are. There is the, it begins with the supernatural arrival of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter stands up and just starts preaching. I Maybe it was just spontaneous. Maybe it's just like, I got to preach. I'm going to preach. And he just gets up and he just starts preaching, you know. And, uh, and then there's the response of the people, the revival of the people as they respond to God's word. And then the final one is a picture that we get of, uh, of the church the way it's supposed to be. The, the, the church and all its beauty. It's the bride of Christ. It's the, it's the church when everything is, is working right. It's just, it's just beautiful. So those are the four main acts of Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 is where God fulfills the promise that he made to Peter in Matthew 16, where we were last Sunday, when Jesus said to him, I say to you, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And we know that Peter wobbled and he fell and he face planted and, you know, all that sort of stuff was true. But, but it came true in Acts chapter 2. This is where that promise is fulfilled. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And I'm glad this morning that my mistakes and my selfishness, my bad decisions, they don't void God's promises. His promises are always true. His promises are still true. His promises are true when I goof up. His promises are true when I, when I make bad decisions. His, his, he never fails. 
I've proven him true. What he says he will do, the old hymn says, he never has failed me yet. God is faithful. He's faithful. If he's given you a promise, you can count on it. It will come true. It will happen because he is always faithful. Peter had the promise of God in him, but he, he betrayed it. He denied it. He let fear and doubt steal his identity. He didn't have the courage in the moment to be the man or the person who God had called him to be. And God's promises are greater. They're always greater than my weaknesses. And if you feel God stirring you this morning, we, I want to tell you that since the very, well, actually since the band started rehearsing and, and, and going over the music this morning, the presence of God has been in this room. And if you feel God stirring this morning, if you, if you feel the, the presence of God inviting you back, you'll find open arms. You'll find that his promises are true. You'll find that he is faithful. You'll find that he forgives and he restores. And uh, he doesn't hold our bad decisions against us. And he robes us, robes us again with his favor. The sequence of, of events in Acts chapter 2 is, is obviously... Um, by design. And, and there's, there's something there that you, we all need to see this morning. The arrival of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of God's word, the response of the people, and then the church in all its beauty. It's the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of God's word, the response of the people, and then the church in all of its beauty. Did you get it? It's the arrival of the Holy Spirit. It's the preaching of God's word. It's the response of the people, and then the beauty of the church. You see, we always need to respond. When God shows up, when God's presence is here, you can't just say, oh, that was nice. You can't, you can't just leave and blow it off. You've, you've got to respond to the presence of God demands a response. It's not, it's not me saying, come on, respond. You're not responding to me. I'm just, I'm just a guy from Graham and Ann. I, in fact, my prayer this morning was, Lord, would you make me invisible? Just hide me behind your word. I want people to see you. You respond, gang. You respond to God's word. You respond to the presence of God. There was the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the pre of God's word, and then the people responded to God's word. The revival broke out, and then there was the church in all of its beauty. So the sequence of events in Acts chapter 2 is by design, and it's not only for, uh, you know, the church uh, capital C, you know, big church. It's also for us as individuals, eh? I need the arrival of the Holy Spirit. You need the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you came to church this morning thinking, I just need, I just need more of him. I just need the presence of God. Maybe you came wanting to have, you know, just a visitation, just a, the, the very presence of God over you. And then we all need the word. You need the word and I need the word. And, and we need the power of God, the word of God in us. And then we need to respond to that. And then we all need to be a part of, a, of uh, the bride of Christ, the church. In your own life, the presence of God blowing open the windows of your soul and filling you with fresh fire. Now that your mask is off, I can see that some of you need to be filled with fresh fire. 
I wasn't sure the last few weeks you were hiding it from me, but now I can see. Wouldn't it be good if you left here this morning with fresh fire? It would. Your home needs it. Your marriage needs it. Your, your, where you go to work, those, everybody you come at, they all need you to have a fresh uh, fire, a fresh um, filling of the presence of Jesus, the power of the resurrection living in you, and then your response to him. Maybe it's confession this morning. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's baptism. Did I mention we're going to have a baptism in the river? And, uh, you, know, you know, in the New Testament, they didn't sign up for baptisms. They didn't take like eight weeks of baptism classes. Somebody preached the good news of Jesus and people said, I'm in. I'm in. What do I need to do? And Peter said, y'all should be baptized. And about 3,000 of them were baptized that day. And we're going down to the river right after this service. And maybe the response, maybe the way that you respond today to the presence of God and the word of God is with repentance and confession and saying, I need to be baptized. I mean, if you don't know that you've been baptized or maybe you were, um, maybe you were as a child, but it was someone else saying to you, you know, you go, but you didn't make that decision for yourself. And, uh, and you know that, that you that you're either have been a believer, follower of Jesus, or you're making that decision today. We would love to baptize you down in the river. Uh, when we get to the river, we've got three candidates who are going to be baptized. And I, we will walk out into the water, and I will say to them, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? This is what I'm going to ask. I'm telling you what I'm going to ask. I wish my high school teacher always did that and gave me the answers to the questions. But I'm telling you, this is I'm lobbing it underhand where I'm going to say, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Is it your desire today to live for him and serve him with the rest of your life? Yes, it is. Upon the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. following him in obedience and then enjoying the fellowship of the church. And then we're going to then we're going to barbecue for Jesus. It's going to be great. And maybe that's your prayer today. God, I need an Acts 2 revival. I need you to blow open the windows of my heart and my soul. Cross Point needs it. Fredericton needs it. Maybe your home needs it. Maybe your marriage. Maybe your attitude. Hello. Right? Some of y'all, your attitude could, could use a visit from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're wallowing. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he bowed and he heard my cry, and he lifted me up out of a pit, out of the mire and the clay, and I will sing a new song, a new song to him. So the four main acts of Acts chapter 2, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of Peter, the response of the people, and the formation of the church. Let's pick it uh, up right at the end of his sermon. It's Acts 2 verse 36. Peter is landing the plane when he says this. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, baby dedication, and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. 
Then Peter continued preaching, I love this part, for a long time. Strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Jerusalem at the time was a city of about 180, maybe 200,000 people. 3,000 is nothing to sneeze at. That's a, I, we would call that a good day. We would call that a good day. The passion and conviction of Peter's preaching, his boldness that he stands up with here in Acts chapter 2, whether they stone him or imprison him, he doesn't really care at this point. The passion and conviction of Peter's preaching comes out of his personal experience with the resurrected Jesus. Everything changes when you meet the resurrected Jesus. Peter, in Matthew 16, had found his identity in Jesus. And then he lost it. Life happened. Life happens to all of us. And then he regained his identity after the resurrection. Like, I know what Jesus said to me. I know who I am in God. And I'm going to be that person. And his sermon to the crowd that day is delivered through a broken vessel. They all knew faceplant Peter. They all knew, uh, you know, Peter the betrayer. I didn't know him. They all knew Peter before the crucifixion, before the resurrection. He, he preaches as a broken vessel who has been with Jesus. And I take no pride in saying this this morning. Only a humble recognition of the grace of God in my own life that I stand here as well as a, a broken vessel. And with the awesome responsibility of standing before you, my friends, my peers, my family, there's nothing special about me, the awesome responsibility that I have of extending to you the truth of God's word. And when the Holy Spirit arrives and you have an opportunity to respond, like the thousands of people in this text, we should respond with God, what do I do? The crowd said to Peter, what do, what, what do we do? And we should respond. Their response should be our response. And here is, here is a, a way for you to respond this morning by asking this question. What is the best response I can give God today? His presence is here. The word has been given. Now it's, now it's our opportunity and responsibility. And I just think this is a great question, not because I wrote it. Uh, it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, put it on me. I think it's a great question. What is my best, what is the best response that I can give God today? In this moment, maybe it's salvation. Maybe, maybe you're here and you don't know that you've ever had this, this relationship with Jesus, this, this, this belief, this, this um, inviting him into your life and saying, like, I believe, I, I will follow you. Would you come into my life? Would you be my Lord and my Savior? Maybe you've never made that decision and maybe that's the best response. Maybe it's baptism. Baptism. In the Nash walk, today, 
You didn't bring a change of clothes. Who cares? You're going to get the seats of your car wet. Look, you can go stand by the barbecue and dry your clothes. We've got towels. We've got T-shirts. We can help you. You know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's just going to be awesome. Maybe that's your response today. Maybe it's coming back to or believing in the identity that God gave you. Maybe it's confession. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's a reawakening today. But if you don't know, you just ask. You say, Lord, what is the best response that I can give to you today? Let's continue reading. Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and barbecues by the Nashwalk, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This sounds crazy to some of you, but there was a time when people actually met together in other people's homes and shared meals at their table. Some of you remember this, yes? And it's in the Bible. There was a time you didn't even have to call ahead. You just showed up because you knew it would be okay. They wouldn't shoot you in the head. They, they would say, oh, we're so glad that you're here. Come on into our home. We're going to share together with joy. Not a, I can't believe, can you believe they showed up? Like, what in the world are they thinking? With joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe. If I ever write a book, I think this could be the title, A Deep Sense of Awe. Is this, is this what Moses felt when he took off his sandals in front of a bush that was burning yet not being consumed and talking to him? Was his heart filled with a deep sense of awe? Is this, is this what Adam and Eve felt when they, were, when they were walking around the garden for the first time? It was like, can you believe this? Like, can you look at this? Like, have you ever looked at something that God has made and just thought, can, can you believe this? Like, look at this. How about staring into a clear night sky, galaxies upon galaxies, and just this deep sense of awe to the one who flung it into order? Maybe holding a newborn baby. Very few atheists when they're holding a newborn baby. It is very hard to hold a newborn baby and think that crawled out of a slime pit a billion, kajillion, squillion years ago. Because it's just, for the moment, it's perfect. For the, right? It's just, you're looking at the little feet and the fingernails and the eyelashes, and, and you're just thinking a deep sense of awe. This is the God who made you. The psalmist said that God knit you together in your mother's womb. 
the God who made you. Your DNA is exactly the way that the creator of the universe intended to wire you. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You are built and wired exactly the way the God of the universe intended to make you. Step into that identity today. I'm, um, I'm in awe of that. I'm in awe when God answers prayer. Um, I'm in awe when a friend reaches out just to say, hey, man, how you doing? I'm like, wow, God, you're good. That's such a gift. Thank you, Lord. You're good. I'm just in awe that someone would do that. Yesterday, I had a coffee with a good friend of mine, Rob Swicker. A lot of you know him. And we were talking about the, uh, my youngest daughter, Autumn, was serving in a hospital in Zambia when the pandemic broke out. So she's serving in the bush of Zambia when all the airlines are shutting down and we're trying to figure out how to get her home. Did I mention it's Zambia? Okay. And um, in that hospital in Zambia, sometimes they have electricity and sometimes they don't. You just never know when the government's going to just flip a switch and shut it down and you have no power. The doctor in the, the Wesleyan Hospital in Zambia, out in the middle of nowhere, the doctor in that hospital is from Japan and he is giving his life to serve in the bush of Africa, and you'll never know his name. He'll never be famous. He's not making doctor money. He's simply giving his life to serve these beautiful people, and I am in awe. I just stand in awe. I say, God, who does that? Awe is the proper response to the God who formed you. The God who knows you. The God who wants you to live in the identity that he created for you. The God who knew you and he knew you before your parents even met. A deep sense of awe. Luke gives us a vivid image of the very first church uh, in Acts 2.42. A group of people, not perfect, but fully convinced in the resurrection of Jesus, uh, repentant, baptized, and now enjoying the church as the church was meant to be. And Luke gives us this picture of the bride of Christ. Think of that now, the bride of Jesus. And I, gang, I really believe, I really believe in the church, and I love the church. That's why I'm here right now. I could be picking beach glass on Graham and Ann, but I love the church and I believe in the church. And we have all been hurt by the church. We all have bad church experiences. It was the religious people who hung Jesus on a cross. So your bad church experience does not top his. But could you let your heart could you let your heart dream again about being a part of something like this? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This group right here, I believe, 
in this group of people right here, in all that God would call to, to join us, devoting ourselves to the teaching of God's word, fellowship, doing life together, sharing meals together, barbecues, after baptisms, praying together, praying for each other and with each other, sharing everything that we have, selling the extra to give to those who are in need, worshiping together, sharing meals together in people's homes with, with great joy. <laughs> right? With great joy. Not, not disgust and now I've got to clean up for two hours and what we're, you know, with great joy and generosity. You want to be a part of a church like that. Let your heart dream again about what the church can be. You want to be a part of an Acts 2.42 church, and you know people who want to be a part of a church like that. If you described this church to your friends, they, some of them might say, do you know where I can get that? Do you know a place like that? Is there, is there a place like that? It's attractive. And it was so radical and so countercultural and so full of love that it could not be contained and it could not be restrained. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. I know this is a strange request, especially if you, if you don't, you know, if you're new to church or just visiting this morning, and you don't have to uh, do this, but I'm going to ask if we could all bow our heads. And I know that's a little odd, but if we could bow our heads and just for a few moments, dream and pray and hear from God in your wildest dreams. What would you want to see God do in your life? In this moment, what is my best response to God, to the presence of God and the word of God? In this moment, what is my best response to God? What do you want to see God do in your life? In Crosspoint, in Fredericton, in your home, in your marriage, in your family. If God is calling you today back to your God-given identity, receive it. Receive it. Just say, thank you, Jesus. This is an opportunity and a responsibility. Let's go. If you've been stuck, step out. Asleep, wake up. Afraid, Fear not. Alone, you are not alone. If you've been mad, broken, confused, or tired, breathe in today the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. What is my best response? Lord, I thank you again this morning for your word, the power of your word. Um, it is as real and alive in this moment as it was when Peter said, I have got to stand up and preach to this crowd. And the crowd said, how should we respond? And Peter 
told them how to respond. And so, Lord, help us to respond to you today with obedience, uh, with joy in our hearts. We want to be that kind of church. It's not just going to happen. It's going to take uh, people who, who repent and, and who are obedient, who surrender to your Holy Spirit. So, God, I thank you again for this, this, <laughs> this great group of people, wonderful people. Be with us as we uh, close this service and as we walk down the hill and as we celebrate baptisms. Go before us. In Jesus' name, amen.